drinking game playing podcast my name is ben nova i'm joined by alex marpas hello how are you doing i'm good thanks how are excellent you? yeah good man very good cool had a very not busy week in terms of playing games because my thumb is still yeah a no, little bit no. fucked not bandaged anymore no bandaged. take the bandage off it's just got a giant scar in it now yeah, shit. still can't play very many See, games so fucking mean <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks so um yeah, as the last few episodes, we're going to be chatting about games we've been playing over the last um, over the last week, whether that's many or not is mm-hmm. uh, to be seen. And then we're going to chat a little bit about um, whether game length is an issue with games like The Order and things coming out and being a little bit slated recently. Um, we thought we'd just have a little bit of a discussion about it. Cool. So I've got some beers. We have obviously. So. Um... This week we're drinking um, Brew by Numbers uh, Saison, so it's the 0107 batch, I guess. Um, Tiny Rebel Fubar Pale Ale, and um, I'm ashamed to say a Tesco's bought uh, revisionist California steam, uh, steam-esque, I don't think it's actually um, from California, I think it's in the style of okay, somewhere okay. in California. Brewed by someone? Not brewed by Tesco, I assume. Brewed by Marston's, which sounds... Okay. Marston's like is quite a big, big brewery. Brewery. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Which one are we going to start with? Um, I don't know. What do you want to start with? Mm, it's a difficult decision. Because I'm quite looking forward to the Brew by Numbers one. Yes, and as it's a Saison, it's probably quite delicate. Yeah. It might have to be drunk first. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, normally we're drinking um, Honest Brew. So, the Saison and the Tiny Rebel are Honest Brew beers. So, yep. we're still drinking our way through uh, the second crate that they've sent to us. So, that's where we're getting these nice beers from. So, you can get them as well. Thanks, Honest by Brew. By going there. Yeah, yeah. They have been nice. Well, I say thanks. We did buy them. We did buy them. We won't give it They're nice people. Good people. Good. And they're a beer delivery service, aren't they? It's a beer delivery service, yeah, that's true. So it's good if you're lazy, or if you don't know that much about beer and you just want someone to send you some beer, um, then you can get a nice selection. Yeah, yeah. Buy them all. Otherwise, you've got to visit a giant supermarket, or I suppose a little independent stockist to uh, to get your beer. Yeah. Like so us, a... just whip down to the local Tesco's to pick <laughs> up an extra beer because we've drunk all of the other ones that we want to drink. <laughs> True. There's lots of good places to buy beer from these days, though, all over the country. So. Yeah, very true. Very Wherever true. you are, more or less. Thank you very much. Cool, so this is a Saison, another Saison. Quite light. Yeah. Quite cloudy. That's true, which is, I, I quite like cloudy beer. Yeah. It's, yeah, nothing wrong with that. It's got a kind I don't know, sort of sharp, lemony smell to it. It does. Mm. It's almost it's strange because when you look at a beer and you look at the colouring, it's very odd that that almost comes through in the taste as well. Yeah, that it, it it's quite a light colour, but it's also quite a light taste. It's it not, is a light it, taste. It's not heavy at all. It's mm. it doesn't sort of sit too too heavy. It's sort of what am I trying to say? <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's got like um, it's kind of. I don't know, it's got a decent level of bitterness to it. Yeah. Like, the finish on the beer is quite, like, I don't know how to describe it, like, sort of sour, almost? It is a little sour, yeah. I think the Saison style is difficult to pin pin down, I think. I mean, I'm not great at have all of the beer lingo, but it, some people do, but... It's, it's quite, um, quite lively, though, as well. It's mm. quite fizzy. Mm-hmm. That's true. I sort of expected it to be a little bit... Flatter, mm-hmm. I suppose. But then the other saisons we've had have also been a, 
have been quite lively. It's like the partisans. Yeah. Were slightly lively as well. So. This is. I really like that partisan. Mm. So uh, I'm not sure which one I prefer out of the two of them. I only had a couple of sips. It's nice yeah, though. It's, it is nice. It is. Right. So I'm going to start this week. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. Because I've been playing one game a lot. I've been playing a couple of games, but one game mostly because I've not been able to play console games mm-hmm. because of my thumb. It still hurts. I tried to play Oli Oli 2, which is a little skateboarding game mm-hmm. by Roll7, um, which was free with PlayStation Plus this month. I played the tutorial and my thumb decided that it had enough and it no longer wanted to play PlayStation. Gosh. So I uh, downloaded a game called Darkest Dungeon which is on Steam Early oh, yeah. Access. Yeah, yeah. And it's a um, sort of a 2D dungeon crawler. So you move between um, various rooms along different corridors, 2D through these corridors. Mm-hmm. Various encounters can occur in the rooms or whilst you're moving through the corridors. Um, you almost start off the game having to recruit a party. So you get to start picking different characters that you want to take into these dungeons. Um, I guess it's like a wizard, an elf, an archer. No, no, they're all uh, human. Okay. They're all quite... So there is an element of magic, although it's... So there is a wizard, then? Well, you sort of... There's always a wizard. There isn't anyone in a pointy hat. Mm Mm-hmm. So the the characters you have is almost, I can't remember, I think they're called a crusader um, and a duelist, maybe. So the first couple of characters you start off with is almost like a paladin-esque type guy, uh, two-handed sword. He might have a uh, spell ability, which affects a couple of the enemies that you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy is a ranged sort of pistol user with who has a knife who's also able to... So it has pistols. It does. Um, so it does have some ranged abilities. I've not mm-hmm. found anyone with um, like crossbows or anything like that yet. Uh, one of the more exotic characters that you can get, I think it's called a jester, and he prances around with his loot, <laughs> and he can do various um, <clears throat> moves that um, affect the whole party or affect all of your enemies based on how well he plays his loot. Not quite like that. Um... <laughs> But basically what happens is you you have a party of four people. And because it's 2D, the order in which those four people stand is very important. Yeah. Because okay. depending on where they're stood, they can only do specific moves. So if you have a guy at the front, you normally want some kind of tank character, some kind of damage dealer who can hit the first two enemies in their row of three or four, however many enemies you're facing. And at the back, you want the more ranged yes. characters or healers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's in early access at the moment, so I imagine a lot will change when it's fully released. From patch notes, it says that it's about 50% completed, I think. And most of what I gather, most of what they're going to add is more levels. Um, There's a couple of items in the game that heal things like diseases and stuff, but I've not encountered being diseased at all yet. So whether that's not implemented yet, Mm. but they've got the, the items there ready to go. Um, there's a little, little bit of customization you can take when you're not in a dungeon. You go back to like your hub area, which is a, a, a homestead, and you've got various different buildings. So um, you can upgrade them. You can make their weapons or armor better. You can make the abilities that they have more powerful. So in some sort of leveling up system, and you use gold to be able to do all of this, which you accrue through going through the dungeons. Mm-hmm. And the main element that I think makes this different from sort of other dungeon crawlers is that you have stress levels. So every time you go into a dungeon, every time, or not every time a character is hit, but when they're hit with specific uh, attacks from the enemies, their stress goes up. And mm. if That's the stress, an interesting feature. It is, it's very interesting. If your stress goes right to the top, so I think the stress is from 0 to 100, if you get to 100, then the character will freak out and they will do something. Now that can be beneficial or negative. I'm not sure whether it depends on the character, whether ha- whether they've got um, you know a certain amount of traits in one way, because you've also got traits, and they can be positive and negative as well. And they add to stats or detract from stats, things like that. Um, so I've had ones where a character has 
um, just got a massive buff. He's pulled the rest of the party up and reduced all of their stress levels right down. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've had other ones where other characters um, will become selfish and they will move themselves to the back of your party to protect themselves because they're obviously scared and stressed out and they want to get away from the encounter. So that then completely messes up mm. your your game plan as such, your tactical game plan. And there is a, a massive element of strategy in this as well because you plan where your characters are going to be, you can plan what attacks they want to do, you can plan whether you're going to use your healer to heal, whether you've got enough to take out... Um, whether you can risk not healing so they can do another, th- uh, you know, a, a move that might stun an opponent to then give you another round to be able to then heal and things. Yeah. Um, and it's progressively getting harder. But I've almost got two parties on the go because you hit level three with a character and they can no longer go in the lower level dungeons. So it scales with you as well. Mm-hmm. So I've now got sort of a, a 10 character roster. And. It's also got elements of permadeath as well. So if a character dies in your dungeon, that's it, they're gone. But you can recruit new characters sort of throughout. Um, I mean, it's it's very good for a, a sort of a cheap game. I think it was about £15, something like that, on Steam. That's a pre-release? Uh, so it's um, early access. So it's almost early access. is just sort of beta stage. You can yeah. go online onto their website, or I'm not sure whether you can do it through Steam, but you can leave feedback and comments whether you find any bugs or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, you can yeah. you can go on and so 15 quid is not that cheap for early access. Is it? It's not that cheap. I mean, some of the games come out um, in early access, which are more expensive. Something like Daisy, which came out early access, uh, the standalone edition was 20 pounds when it came out. Mm. Um, but I'd seen a lot of uh, videos and a few people talking about this game to know that I wanted to pick it up. Yeah, I saw um, the, um, the video for it on Steam. Um, yeah. Although it didn't make me want to play it that much because um, it's not necessarily my type of game. I mean, it's attracted to the strategy side of it, I suppose. But mm. um, you've got to, got to say it does look beautiful. That's one of yeah. the main things yeah. about it. Aesthetically, it's... It's lovely. It is very well drawn. It's all sort of a hand-drawn style. Yeah. So it's wonderful. Uh, Yeah. Mm. The characters have some really nice animations, sort of when they're either attacking or when they've been hit and things like that. Yeah. It's like um, sort of comic-esque. Yeah. You know, like the the movements were... um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the way that the animation wasn't... It's not a fluid animation. It's almost a, a... three-stage animation so you yeah. see the character stood there that then move into the animator move into another position to show what they're doing yeah exactly that's what I mean yeah so you can imagine it as like a series of like strips or something yeah um, so yeah yeah it looked great it, yeah I mean that definitely adds to it as well because when you're moving through the dungeons you come up to a a chest or a wardrobe or, or a pile of bodies or something <laughs> to, to try and loot and the character almost goes up and slightly half turns his back and puts his hands up in the air as if he's to say sort of like, yes, this is mine. So that's quite sort of cool. And some of the little animations are really nice. So. Mm. Yes, I've been playing that quite a lot just because my hands are rubbish. <laughs> well, you've got to play PC games when you can't play console games, I suppose, haven't you? It's I'm true. Quite, actually, no, that's not... But I don't mean well, that. I mean... If you can't play a console game, then the only thing you can do is play a PC game. Often, PC games are much better than console games, realistically. Um, depends what you want. It, it does depend what you want. I think it depends <clears throat> whether you prefer playing with a mouse or keyboard or controller, although yeah. you can hook up whatever controller you want really these days to a, a PC true. to be able to use it as well. But I mean, I haven't got a controller for my PC and I just use mouse and keyboard because normally if I want to use a controller... I'll get it for the for a console instead, I suppose. Mm. And something, you know, a few games that come out multi-platform. I know uh, GTA Five isn't released on PC yet, but is very close. Mm. I'm not sure I'd want to play that on a PC with a mouse and keyboard at least, versus using a controller, just because it's so ingrained. You know, the last iterations of the GTA games so ingrained in my brain, and I know exactly how to mm. use that. And because I then have the console, I can just go and pay 40 quid for a game, bring it back, put it straight in. Whereas I would have to 
go out and buy another controller or buy the adapter so, that would allow me to use a controller on my is PC. Is there any advantage of playing it on the PC? Is the load time quicker or does the like environment feel smoother? Is that, I mean, oh, I, mean, I would imagine it, it, depends on the, it depends on the PC that you've got. If well, you've got yeah, a, a really high-end PC, <clears> then things are going to run a lot better. You're going to have better lighting effects, better shading, better mm. textures compared to something like an Xbox One or a PS4. But but then you're not going to have everything dedicated to playing it, whereas you will on a console. It's true. It's going to be running nothing but that game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure sort of how much memory sort of an operating system takes up mm. on a console in comparison to the um, memory requirements for an operating. If you're running Vista, then you probably can't play any games. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whereas if you're running one of the newer versions, like 7 or 8 or 10 or something, mm. then it might be a lot easier to play games because they might not be so memory intensive. Um I'm not really sure. I've never, I don't think I've ever played, apart from the first GTA, which I played on both a PS1 and a PC, I don't think I've ever played another game on both to make the comparison. Mm. And it's not something that I would do because I don't have the cash to be able to buy the same game yeah, it's on, quite on several sort of, yeah, it, yeah. both platforms. Like, mm. Why would you? I had a, um, a training day at work today doing SQL training and we did it on Windows 97. I was like, fucking wow. hell, this is old school looking. <laughs> so rubbish looking. <laughs> Jesus. So I dropped that in there. Nice. Windows 97, shit. Although actually... Possibly the only people using 97 now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it was quite reliable. Everyone hated on Windows... Was it Windows 2000? Was the next Windows? Uh, Windows... Blair. Emmy. Was that the networking one? Emmy. Yep, there was yeah, the Windows Millennium. To lie down. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was Emmy. Or was it XP? I've never heard of Windows Emmy before. There was definitely so, Windows Millennium, that. I think. It was meant to be like Windows 2000. Well, um, yeah, there was whether it was Windows a networking 2000. version of it. So it's better for large networks. I well, don't maybe. really remember, but I'm sure there was a version called Emmy. Which possibly is different millennium. I could be talking shit. Yeah, quite possibly. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, enough about Windows. Let's finish this beer off. And we will. So yeah, if you like Dungeon Crawlers, play Darkest Dungeon. It's very good. It's very nice. However, maybe wait until it's out of early access because the game will possibly, be yeah. um, the full release. <clears throat> I don't think they're going to increase the price when really? the game releases um, sort of 100% complete. Mm-hmm. I imagine that anyone that buys it, if you do buy it now, you will then just get the full game when it patches through. Yeah. Um, and I know that currently they're going to be adding a lot more levels and things. There's only about three of what looks like to be six levels open at the moment. So what's so. to stop you buying the um, early access and then just not playing it and waiting for the full game to come out and just getting it? I mean, even if they're not going uh, nothing, to... Be, nothing, nothing. I mean... You, you might find that when it releases, there'll be a, a price drop. I think a lot, really? with a lot of early access games, uh, developers need an injection of cash. So they yeah, might then, not have a, a dedicated publisher. They might need a bit more money to be able to continue working on the game. Yeah, I assume that's why. And they want, and it's you're paying them to then report on bugs that you find and stuff. Which yes, very true. Helps, but I mean. Um, You'd imagine it's got to be cheaper when it's not the finished product. I mean, that's before it's the finished product, possibly. But you might then find that they've made enough from early access Mm. to see. You know, they they may have might have expected to sell. I I haven't got a clue, but something like uh, you know five thousand copies, and they end up selling. They end up selling ten thousand. They've made twice the amount of money that they need. So they can either then plunge all of that money into development to make it better, or they can plunge the same amount of money they were going to into development, take the additional money to then say, well, actually, we can probably reduce this to twelve ninety nine, and give the early access people, not for Darkest Dungeon, but for, I don't know, they could give you a, a soundtrack or give mm. you additional, you know, skins for characters or an additional character or something like that. So there's definitely ways yeah. of... of playing with the the idea of early access um something like daisy which is almost seems like it will be in constant early access never <laughs> gonna have a release i think star made a bit like that as well it's just constantly being 
like patched and fixed and different things coming out for it. Like half the wikis are out of date now, mm. which is kind of annoying. But yeah. anyway, shall we? Um, what do you want next? Right. Should we try the foobar? Should we leave the steam beer till last? Yeah, if you like it. Cool. So this tiny rebel, who are one of the oh, so brew by numbers. I didn't really say they're on the Bermondsey beer mile as well. Mm. Although we didn't get a chance to pop in there. We were having a busy day that day. Yeah. Stuff was kicking off. But they were funded by BrewDog out of the BrewDog Development Fund where they plough 50 grand into startup breweries each year. Yeah. Um, so Brew by Numbers are about two years old, I think. And okay. Just a couple of guys got some backing from BrewDog, obviously skilled brewers themselves. Mm. So they're... Um, a hot up-and-coming brewery of in their own right which brings me on to tiny rebel who are another london-based like happening kind of new brewery mm. that uh, everybody seems to be talking about at the moment as well so yeah both of these are very trendy right would, on the pulse of the uk craft scene right i mean now. going back to what we were talking about last week with um like the graphics on these bottles mm-hmm. the brew by numbers one is very nice it's classy. It is very classy. But I so fucking we just... hate the Fubo. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm not sure whether it's just the font, yeah. whether so... it's the image, but there's just something about it. We'll be putting up pictures of the beers yes. so people can see for themselves. But um... As we have been, if you follow us on Twitter, which you should do. Yeah, but just for those who don't, um, Boo Numbers, all of their beers show numbers on the front of them for one thing but i'm the numbers guessing mean? it's style and batch or something like that so it this one says zero one dash zero seven so style and uh, recipe i was close Almost style and recipe so style um, one recipe seven so they're calling saison style one i guess mm-hmm. and they've iterated the recipe for it seven times before they got to here well i think it says on the back recipe nelson what nelson that's the nelson so so maybe they use it maybe they make a saison with a different hop then possibly i think they'll be tinkering around with i mean the whole point of craft beer is that it's not about constantly iterating all the time yeah. yeah absolutely which is like the the beautiful thing about it and the frustrating thing about it as well because you know, you can be, it's like filled with novelty and stuff, these wonderful things that you can find mm. that's totally different that you won't ever taste in a different place. But it's also annoying because when you find one that you really, really like, like I once had this wild beer um, IPA in um small bar in Bristol mm-hmm. and it was just, blew my mind, it was just amazing. It was like the best or one, yeah. certainly one of the top three beers I've ever had. And um I've had a lot of their beers since then, and I haven't had one that's quite as good. And mm-hmm. they must have made just a wonderful batch. Yeah, know, just that just, one batch. Whatever they were doing, really they did it really well that day. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So it's good. It's frustrating. It shows the the fleeting nature of life. Nothing's permanent. Everything just is an experience <laughs> to be had, and then it disappears into True. the ether. Anyway, on that note, the Fubar, um, the tiny rebel Fubar logo is like a grenade so my girlfriend was saying to me earlier that she knows she was like oh i know fubar i've heard of that and i was like okay maybe you have i don't know maybe you haven't yeah. she was like you're surely not thinking of saving private ryan where they say fubar and she was like yeah i think that's where it is <laughs> it's got a grenade presumably because that's that actually is the reference for yeah. be all, beyond all recognition yep. is what fubar is that actually a thing, or is it just from the film? I don't know. I don't know. No. I first heard it in that film, whether it yeah. is actually a term used <laughs> by... by um, the army. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. None of my views. But I mean, I, I suppose it's a bit unfair for me to say... Well, it's not unfair for me to say, it's my opinion. I hate <laughs> the label. Podcast. But I think it's the... Shittest label. It, well, <laughs> I think it's just the... The text... Yeah, the text just the ununiform, rebelish type of text. The yeah, text looks a bit rebel, like um, from the TV program Mash from the seventies. On the like yeah, so um, so the title Fubar does. Yeah. However, 
the the rest of the text mm. it's just a little bit a little bit random a little bit out there it's not a font style of choice unless it's a, a font style in InDesign or Photoshop I don't want to know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which this may be and I've just not downloaded it that's fine well we're hating on the on the label but yeah. it smells good it's very clear it's a very amber colour mm-hmm You can tell that we're drinking. Mm. So it's got like um, it's not like an American pale ale. So it's much more like a British style. Yeah. It's got um, like a, kind of like a more of a bitterness to the end or something, but it's not full on punching hops. Um, no, it, it's. Again, as, as with the saison, it is quite light. Mm-hmm. It's spicy. That's what it is. The and I'm guessing that that's probably for the British ale yeast that that's mm. coming through from. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say what hops it's got in it, does it? I don't think so. It doesn't look like it says on the back what hops it has. No. So yeah, it's it's like a nice, I would say, British pale ale style. Yeah. There's nothing wrong I mean, with it. It tastes good. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Definitely. I can see what you're saying with with spicy. Mm-hmm. It does have a certain not peppery peppery sort of yeah, taste, but it, it's sort of a, a, yeah, yeah, that sort of light kick to it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Right. So we should drink this or I should drink it. Why should you talk about what you've been playing this week? Um okay, so my uh Xbox wireless receiver thing that you plug into the back to get Wi-Fi from mm-hmm. it. That decided... I So I was just playing something on it the other day, like switched it off, went and made some toast or something and came back, decided actually I'll play a bit more, switched it on again and it just was like, no, there's no Wi-Fi anymore. But there is Wi-Fi in my hand. Like, you know, Wi-Fi is fine in my house. It's just the receiver on the back Ooh. just decided that something like... I, I can't even imagine what it is that could just stop. Like, I didn't kick it, nothing happened to it, it just stopped working. Yeah. So is there some wire in there that broke or Possibly. something? Is that how it works? I don't know. So, I, and I just can't be asked to pay like 30 quid to get a new one. Yeah. It seems like it's not fair and it shouldn't happen. So, I'm, I'm a bit like you with your thumb. You haven't been able to play your console. I had mm-hmm. only Wi Fi, so I can't, like, I, I'm not going to play. I just can't play online games where the you know the main thing about them is sorry play uh, one player offline mm-hmm. on a game like FIFA or Call of Duty. Or yeah. something. I just uh, I tried playing a bit of. Um, you played much of um, Advanced Warfare? Uh, not much at all. A small the, amount. The more I play it, the less I like it. Okay. Um, which is weird. I mean, it's so the main difference is like the jumping thing. Yeah. Being able to shift left and right and having a, a some kind of jump pack, right? And double yeah, jumping and... You don't shift left and right that much. That's more in the new Halo, which is quite similar. It's okay. It's a jumping thing that's more directional. You can go forwards. Like, you can sort of shoot. You can, so you can double jump, essentially, boosts you into the air. And then you get, like, a, um, a directional impulse thing. So you, you can shoot forwards a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping up means that the like where you interact with the levels is different. So instead of it being essentially a two D plane where maybe you can go upstairs or something mm-hmm. that changes you get the a slight vantage point. Or whatever, in it. Yeah. yeah. But it's essentially a two D plane. Like jumping doesn't really mean yeah. very much. Yeah. Now it's like um I suppose it's still a two D plane, it's just that the surfaces that you can reach are like way higher than mm-hmm. in a normal COD sense. So it makes it slightly more vertical than it yeah, well, it definitely simple. increases the verticality of it, if that's even a word. Which is fine, because, I mean, I guess that from the development point of view, they were thinking, we keep churning out cards every year, and all we're doing is, like, adding little game modes and tweaking... Change the, the setting like, slightly. Yeah, change the way that you get your your, cool, your kill streaks and your whatever yeah, your upgrades yeah, and stuff. Yeah, progression through... So they figured they would push it like an extra stage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, before it came out, I was watching videos where 
was it is it Infinity Ward or Activision? I can't remember which one it is. It's made this one, but anyway, where it was like them, their developers sitting around playing it and then talking about how cool the game is and stuff, and they were playing it, you know, in, in the studio with like just an enormous TV and like all of them getting well into it and stuff, and it did look fun. But it's kind of different when you take it home and you just just sat there with you, maybe you and your one mate or something, just quietly playing it on your much smaller TV. Mm. You're just like thinking... You don't like party room. You're not an Activision's party room. Yeah, right. If I was in the Activision party room, I'd probably be partying. But it was it was just a bit of a disappointment. Somehow, jumping around... I don't want to be jumping up, stupid... Just I'm not Spider-Man. I want to play Spider-Man. I'll play Spider-Man. I want to play Call of Duty. I want to play... I know, not realistic, but gestures towards realism. Mm-hmm. You know, like the best. You thing... want to play a first-person shooter that's more entrenched in a realistic experience than in a, a futuristic, yeah, fantasy setting. Exactly. Yeah. I want to play really futuristic fantasy set. I'll play Halo. That's yeah. Why I don't yeah. play Halo? I don't want to play. I want to just because what annoys me is the guns. If guns are made up, then they can do anything. Which is, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm quite picky with things, but like, if you've just made up a laser gun and you're shooting at an alien that you've just made up as well, it's not much like okay. Is that, that's what happens then with that, I suppose. But if it's like a real gun, that was cool. But I heard that um, British troops actually trained, like they were supposed to be given G64s or something when they were out in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever. Before the guns arrived, because obviously in supply issues and yeah. like funding issues and whatever, um, for first experience with the gun, they were actually given copies of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, I think, which had it in as a gun. Oh, right. And they were like, well, this is what it's like. This is what the kickback's like and the fire rate and the reload time and stuff. It's the best experience you're going to get for it. <laughs> That's cool. It's like there's some like tangible connections to reality. simulate it to yeah. make it a training program as such. Advanced Warfare is never going to be used like that. Mm. So, yeah, I was playing a bit of one-player Advanced Warfare and not cool. That's not what I wanted to be doing at all. So, yeah, I've not played that much. I, I did download um, a weird game called Synonymy, which um, I saw the advert for it on Steam and the advert was narrated by Richard Dawkins. Okay. Who the Richard Dawkins Foundation co-funded it. Yeah, it's... That was a good point to me. I like Richard Dawkins. Yeah. He's kind of like angry, self-assured pompous person that, that appeals to me for some reason so he sold it to me uh, it's a word game where you get given a word as your starting word and you get given a word as your destination word and all you get is synonyms of your starting word you have to pick one and then it'll take you to another screen where you've got synonyms of that word and what you have to do is keep picking synonyms until you get to a synonym of your last word where you can pick the last word and you've got there and it's all about trying to get from your starting word to your destination word in as quick a route as possible mm-hmm. and it's another sort of beautiful game because when you're traveling from word to word it gives you like musical keys to um cues whatever to tell you whether you're going in the right direction or not so i think it's the higher pitch the chord that it plays when you click on the word the closer you're getting to your destination yeah but it might be how dissonant the chord is because some of them are a bit weird sounding chords flat or yeah sharp. Or, or like diminished chords or something yeah. rather than a major chord so okay uh quite got to grips with that and i haven't really figured out how how the hell you're supposed to have a strategy on it because i can't think two synonyms ahead <laughs> like you know like, how do you think oh well if i click on this word I know I'll just purview in my mind all the synonyms of that word and pick one of them and purview all of those synonyms. It's like I'm just sort of randomly picking words and just seeing what happens as it moves along. So, trying I'm, to get a higher, yeah, a, just a anything higher I can do to get than... there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's fun. And obviously, I've been playing Star Made a bit as well. I yeah. mean, I've been I've been at work as well. I didn't just sit around playing games, unfortunately. So isn't that your job? Just <laughs> testing the Star Made servers constantly. I wish. If anyone from who makes StarMade is listening and wants someone who can just sit and play StarMade all day, then you know, give us a tweet, let me know, and I'll, I'll quit my job and move to California or wherever it is that you come from and do that, and that'll be fine. Nice. It does seem like, from 
like what you were describing before, it does seem that Starmade is a a bit more of an intricate physics-based Minecraft. Mm. And with Minecraft being as big as it is, where the Starmade is sort of almost banking on the already um, audience, uh, sort of their pre-made yeah. audience that, that something like Minecraft has. However, you didn't play Minecraft before, did you? No, you sort of no, fallen no, into Starmade, so maybe it's... But I wanted a big, um, fully interactive space strategy game. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that anyway. Um, and then was perusing Steam to see what was out there. And uh, yeah, it, the I, don't know, I saw the um, the demo. It looked, it looked cool. So yeah, I downloaded it. Yeah. But then you know I also saw No Man's Sky as well. Mm-hmm. And you were showing me. Um, the new oh, uh, Sid Meier's Sid... Starships. So is it not a civilization? It's just made by Sid Meier. I believe so. It's a Fire Axis um, developed 2K published game, I think. Okay. Um, made by Sid Meier, and it's almost civilization, but on a more galactic scale. You've got planets rather than rather than cities. Rather than cities, you fly around the galaxy. I assume it's still well, so the what I've what I've looked at says there's still scientific victories, diplomatic victories, mm-hmm. population victories. So it, it is civilization. So it is civilization. I mean, the, the, when we were looking at earlier, the price tag is only about eleven pounds, and mm. like ten ninety nine or something like that. And is this um, an early access as well? No, I think this is full release, really? which I think was Why is released it so cheap, um, in the last couple of days or today. I think huh. was the release. I, I don't know why it's so cheap. Possibly there wasn't as much uh, development period for it. Maybe they made it very quickly. Maybe it was something that they wanted to... Maybe it's not fully fledged as something like um, Beyond Earth was, where Civilization Beyond Earth when that came out, or Civ Five when that came How out. What are you finding Beyond Earth, anyway? Are you still playing it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played Beyond Earth for, for ages. No, because you were really excited when it first came out. I was really excited when it first came out. Yeah, it, it seemed... I you know unlike you, the history part of civilization doesn't grip me as much, mm-hmm. and I wanted a, a similar sort of game, which was in a fantasy setting. So I've spoken about um, Endless Legend before, various other games, which are in a fantasy setting. But to have a game which is in a, a different kind of setting, which is ultimately Civ Five, mm. and it has the core mechanics that make up Civ Five, mm. was quite exciting. So I started playing it, and it's just Civ Five <laughs> with a different skin on it. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, I'm doing almost exactly the same. Yeah. Some of the things are nicer. The tech tree, or the tech web, mm-hmm. is now um, a little bit nicer than it was. Um, from Civ Five. there's different things that you can do. Blair, it's one of those games that I sort of I, I bought when it came out. One of those, it, exactly, yeah. exactly. One of those games that it was just right. Yep, release day, bam, bought full price. Mm. I want this game, and I can't, I can't say I'm disappointed with it. You sound disappointed with it. Well, it's it is what I wanted. There's just other games that have come out since that I'd rather play. Mm. And had this not have come out, and I'd have still been playing Civ Five, I think exactly the same thing would have happened. I would have dropped Civ Five. Yeah, I dropped Civ Five. And and played the other games that I've been playing. Mm. So I think it's, it's you know it's quite an expensive reskin of Civ Five, yeah, really. That's so maybe disappointing. It is. It is. But maybe with something like Starships, they realise that. Maybe they can't just churn out the same kind of game. Well, yeah, but then yeah, they're going to do the same advanced warfare mistake. I mean, you, you can't just churn out the same game. But the thing is, when you've got a really good game, you're in a kind of weird conundrum where you can't keep putting out the same thing. But if you tinker with the recipe, you might just ruin it. And then what you're now putting out there, as in my opinion, advanced warfare is just another first-person shooter. It may as well yeah. be in the COD range. It's just so... You need to change it to make it more interesting, but you don't want to change it too much because you're losing your the thing that makes you the market leader in that mm-hmm. particular field or whatever. So, don't want 
I don't want the Civilization franchise to move too far away from essentially Civ Four, which is where it peaked, if you ask me. Yeah. And Civ Five is good, but I mean, couldn't sink as many hours into it as Civ Four. Mm. Did you Did you ever play Age of Empires? Uh, no. It's a very similar kind of game, slightly different in that you build individual buildings rather than having a city mm. okay, to yeah, then build buildings in. Various different, yeah, so rather than your units being created from one city, your units are created from a specific building instead. You mm. set out your buildings within your town. Is it just a one-town management game? or <sighs> Can I remember it? I've not, I've, <laughs> it's, it's a game I've not played for ages. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you almost had one area that you set your town out in. There were various outposts. I think in the third game there were um, smaller, um, almost like with Civ having city-states. Mm. Uh, Age of Empires 3 had um, Native American villages. So you could go and you'd do something for those Native Americans and they would then give you their unit. And those units would be very good sort of early game. But mm-hmm. late game, when suddenly you're playing with gunpowder, yeah, and muskets right. and things, yeah. they they didn't do so well. I but I only bring this up because I understand that they are possibly bringing out a new Age of Empires game. This isn't any kind of in the know <laughs> knowledge. It's only sort of what I've read or heard in the last sort of few months mm-hmm. on various gaming news sites and things. Um. But that would be interesting to see because it was it's almost a similar sort of game mm-hmm. but that takes its town building and, and layout sort of ideas in a different direction. Yeah. So that, I mean, Age of Empires 3 came out several years ago. We're, we're probably talking eight or nine years now. Maybe not quite that much but, you know, nowhere near the the rate that they're churning out civilization games. Yeah. Um, so, kind of sounds like Civilization crossed with SimCities. Is that fair? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. A lot more towards the, the Civilization skew. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much towards the SimCity, but it's... Uh, yeah, you're setting out very... So with, I suppose with SimCity, you set out an area which is residential, you set out an area which is commercial and industrial. This is you will specifically place your barracks which generate this un- these units here. Mm-hmm. You will then put your stables here. You will then put your blacksmiths here and, and things. It doesn't really have any kind of consequence to where you place your buildings in relation to each other. And that would be quite nice, whether you can only upgrade your um, you know, your foot soldiers in better armour if a blacksmith is within a certain radius of something. But that's a completely uh, a game mechanic which they, you know, which isn't in existence, I suppose, at the moment. I don't think there's many games that have something that deep to then mm. look at things like layout and stuff so yeah Fair. so you've just been playing that and Star Made a bit of Advanced Warfare mm-hmm. one player yeah. a little bit of Star Made um, yeah what else did I play um, I feel like I'm forgetting something but if oh, I am oh, then I am I know what you played that you showed me a little game called Super Hexagon. Oh yeah, which is uh, an insane Twitch-based yeah. game. So that really. is like the most playable game I've played. It's like the um, crack cocaine of um, of computer games, I guess, in general. So uh, my housemate Adol had downloaded it from Steam for like, or maybe from one of those sites that sells you Steam games, Steam game codes or whatever at discount yeah. prices um, for like two quid. And it was called Super Hexagon, something like that. Yeah. Mega Hexagon, something like that. Definitely had Hexagon in the title. Yeah, I think it was called Super Hexagon. Super Hexagon, yeah. Uh, my days, that, that game was so addictive. So all it is is, um, how do you describe it? It's like it's a like kind a, of kaleidoscope. A block in the middle of a in the middle of the screen, yeah. And then you have a kaleidoscope of... Of like the shapes moving in towards you, and all you have to do is not get trapped in a uh, yeah space that gets cut off as it's all shrinking towards the center. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is left, right, and spin the little ship point thing yeah. out of the way 
there's like always a, a way of getting out of the shapes as they get smaller and smaller and, and threaten to squash you. Um, and the music is some like weird techno or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets faster and faster and faster, yeah. doesn't it? Like, and it's flashing, the lights on yeah, it. I, I think the most I last was about nine seconds. Yeah, and I got to like, um, I don't know, 40 seconds or mm, something, mm. really pushing hard to get there. It takes some dedication. <laughs> it was really, yeah. And when, when you get past like, uh, 10 seconds or something it changes the vibe switches the colors change the music changes tempo everything gets a bit quicker it just gives you a different yeah. visual cue to almost put you off slightly i suppose yeah. to make it slightly harder i kind of felt like it was designed by a psychology phd who was testing out some theory about like how to get people to become addicted to a game or something all the cues were there maybe yeah. it's like um i could imagine it was giving me like flashing images of I don't know, subconscious just picking up people or something like, but so quick that I don't get to see it or something. <laughs> like, maybe I'm now gonna, at some point in the future, some signal will be transmitted to me and I will then go in my assassination mode and you just hit the trigger, Mark Obama or something. I don't know, whatever they're programming me to do. <laughs> so anyway, get that game. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that that's what that game is trying to they do. They were programming me to then do a podcast and say Drink that it was beers. a great game. <laughs> Okay, so let's have this. Uh, this, uh, this is available in Tesco's, and I don't want to. I'm no fan of Tesco's as such, but um, the third beer of the evening. The third beer of the evening, and I, and I got this because you were you'd been playing a skateboarding game, mm-hmm. and then you thought that you wanted a Californian beer to go yeah. with a skateboarding yeah. game, and this is not a Californian beer. It's brewed by Marsden's, but it's in the Californian style. style. So steam style, steam beer is. Uh, a beer style that goes back to the Anchor Brewery, um, who uh, I think after something like after Prohibition ended, they were the only brewery that. What is it? Something like they were the only brewery that continued to make beer even when Prohibition was on, or they closed the factory but reopened it as a brewery without it being anything in between. And it was the only oh, right. brewery that was able to do that. So it's something like... I mean, they're, they're the only brewery that's allowed to call it steam beer, I think. Although this says steam beer. I was sure that they had copyright for it being steam beer. Maybe it's steam. So something. what is steam beer? Well, it's a type of it's a type of ale. Is it a, a way, the way it's made? Yeah, essentially. The yeah. process rather than the so ingredients. Taste it now. It's very... Um, very dark. I don't know that much about it, but I mean, I know that there's this history of Ooh. the brewery. Um, Ooh. Ooh. It's not my favourite beer style. I've had a couple of them before. Actually, I mean, I've had an Anchor one. It's very light. Well, the, so the I, colour I, isn't I, that light. It no, no, the colour's not light at all, but it's... It looks like apple juice. It kind of does. It's very flat. It's a little bit darker than apple juice. I mean, it's nowhere near sort of uh, a stamp sort of colour, but it's... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's amber. It's definitely on the dark, dark scale. That's it, because we had a Saison earlier on. Very it's true, not that yeah, dark, it's really. I mean, it's it's lighter than a than a brown ale. Than a, you know, think yeah, about it compared yeah. to, if we had a, a gem. I suppose, so yeah, I suppose it's a dark amber, amber, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know how to describe the taste. It's. That's a little fruity. Not massively, but it smelt a lot fruitier than it tasted. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a tautology, obviously. Everything is what it is. <laughs> it isn't what it isn't. Um, but, see, I like big, hoppy, American-style yeah. pale this and is... IPAs, and this is not that. No, not at all. This is very light. Mm. It's almost, in comparison to the... the previous two quite watery yeah but it is made for Tesco's remember this is not a quality craft ale that we're drinking right now mm. this is a I mean it's it's a 500ml as opposed to a 330 and it's cheaper which isn't a good sign yeah for one thing I mean I don't think with it being made for Tesco's as such is a bad thing Tesco's have just shelled out some money because somebody that worked at Tesco's thought oh this is a nice beer Let's make sure that nobody else can sell it but us. That's I mean, true. And and Tesco's have done a lot like Tesco's started Brewdog, essentially, because that 
that story about um so that it's supposedly what I read was that the Brewdog guys were just two guys making beers between them who were lucky if they sold a case of beer a week. And then Tesco's ran a uh, brewing competition. These two, the Brewdog guys, entered it and won first, second and fourth place wow. in this competition. And then on the basis of that, Tesco's had a meeting with them and were like, we love your beers we want to trial them in like a thousand stores or something that we've got across the country. So we need you to make, you know, X many barrels per week for us. Can you do that? And they have no, nowhere near that level of mm. equipment or anything like that. But they just said, yes, definitely. Of course we can do that. And yeah. signed the contract and then went to their bank and said, we've got this deal with Tesco's to make all this beer, but we haven't got any stuff to make it with, um, apart from expertise or whatever. So can we have a loan for like, a hundred grand or something to buy all this equipment and make it and the bank said no um so then they went to another bank and said our bank has promised to do us a loan for this much money at this percentage rate can you beat it and the other bank went well yeah we'll beat that we'll undercut them and and like gave them a slightly better interest rate than they were pretending that they had with their other bank and they managed to get the deal buy the equipment this is public knowledge now right though it's it's on a blog that brewdog (laughs) wrote themselves so like it's public knowledge just got them into some shit with the bank so just a manager shaking his (laughs) fist in the background too late now um but yeah, so I mean, I'm not a big fan of Tesco's, but you wouldn't have Brewdog if it wasn't for Tesco's. Mm. You wouldn't have Brewdog if it wasn't for two guys running by the seat of their pants, bullshitting as well. But I mean, yeah, you, you can't hate too much on Tesco's if you like Brewdog. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's a is... Brewdog specially brewed for Tesco's double IPA, which is quite drinkable. It's yeah. not like a perfect drink or anything, but it's nice, and it's like nine percent. So I mean, this almost seems like something of nothing really it's mm. I'm a little bit disappointed almost in comparison to you know having a look at the Fubar one and, and instantly thinking I wouldn't like it because of the label is very <laughs> judgmental however it's a lot nicer than this one mm. or a lot more flavoursome yeah this is this one it sits a lot too bad it's not bad it doesn't jump out if you were um if you just drank traditional, let's say, normal lager, commercial lagers all the time and you drank this, you probably wouldn't be saying, oh, this tastes of nothing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You'd probably think this has a strong flavour. Because mm. you'd probably think if you if you were that guy and you drank almost any craft ale, you'd, you'd be overpowered with the flavour. Too much flavour. Yeah. I don't like it. If you're that guy, you probably wouldn't hate on this too much. So if you're that guy listening now you'll probably like this steam if you don't know well, it's not that you don't know anything about but if you don't never really tried any other beers you just drink fosters or whatever with your friends and then you want to start somewhere this is not gonna um, scare you off I no think. no not at all it's a very um entry level yeah ale, entry really, level, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right good let's call it that definitely right so i thought we're going to chat very quickly. We'll come to the actual topic of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. The thing that we should have been talking about for a while, which we'll only talk about very shortly now, because we've been going on for a little while about the games we've been playing and the beers mm-hmm. that we're drinking, um, was game length. Now, Podcast length. Podcast <laughs> length. An hour and a half. No. Um, so, just to set it up a bit, a game called The Order 1886 came out. Mm-hmm. Um, PlayStation 4 exclusive by uh, Ready at Dawn, and Santa Monica Studios for Sony. Meant to be a very visually stunning game. A lot of people... What type of game is it? Um, it's a third-person, over-the-shoulder cover shooter. Okay. A lot of people cried about it because of the length of it. Now, the game is out. You can go and play it. Some people very, some people really like it. Some people not so much. And from I've not played it, but from what I understand, the mechanics let it down just as much as the game length does. Mm-hmm. So I thought we'd just talk about very quickly about whether game length is important in any sense of that statement. Okay, so game length is important, obviously, because you don't want to play a game and complete it the same day. I mean, that would that's a waste of money, it seems to me. Well... 
So you say this. This is this is one of the, the, the almost but the crux of the downside, argument, isn't it? Isn't it's, it? I mean, it's not a good thing if you. I mean, especially if it's a game where, like, so some games then the so for me, when you know, getting a new Call of Duty, the one player, as you can tell from, I've been ripping Call of Duty today. Mm-hmm. It, well, as soon as I lose the uh, online functionality of it, I just don't want to play it anymore because yeah. I don't really care about the one-player game. It's pointless shooting mm-hmm. AIs on Call of Duty. That's not what it's about. And you feel similarly about FIFA as well? Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's unplayable, I think, the the AI version of it. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work properly. So um, I don't really care if that type of game where obviously it's a multiplayer game like that's the primary focus of it it doesn't yeah. really matter to me if the it may as well be a quick game uh, mm-hmm. fine i don't ma- don't mind so much if i can beat that on one day but then if i was playing alien isolation which is a single player game by definition there's no multiplayer in it yeah it's all about the game length it has to last like a while if you, there's no way that you get through it in a day just by the nature of the game but like you'd be disappointed if you got through it in a week i think it would really be I mean, yeah. Unless you, you absolutely hammered it. it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. If you're going to be that that guy who just mm. sits in mm. his room, just like, oh my God, I'm going to play a really nice edition. I mean, yeah, that, that guy could probably finish in a week. But So I suppose it then also brings up the idea of replayability. So you can have a very short single player experience, very story driven. But then mm-hmm. whether you want to jump back into it again, whether there is whether there are other things to do, whether there are things that you've missed, um, yeah. whether you are a person that wants to go in and get all the, the collectibles. Get all the coins and, in all of the exactly. islands on Mario or whatever. Yeah. And Mario was quite good like that. I mean, it was one of the things. It, it kind of combined both. There was always plenty of levels to keep moving through to different areas and stuff. And there then were, you could go back and I mean, find the extra things that were... You could, something like Mario Galaxy, which had... I think three big stars per level. Mm-hmm. The first time I played through that game, I'd never get all three stars. Maybe in the first couple of levels, but as the game progressed and got harder, and there were various set pieces that you had to do or various buttons that you had to get to to make something else happen, to make something else happen, to make yeah. something else happen, to make the star appear, you'd never get three. So there was that replayability that you could jump back into a level to, to be able to mm-hmm. get more stars. But ultimately... If you don't enjoy your game, you're then not going to go back into. No, that's true. So the that's game true. needs to have that level of enjoyment to have, which almost I suppose gives it its level of replayability. Something like Call of Duty. If you like a Call of Duty game, if you like a first-person shooter, which a lot of people do, it is ultimately replayable. You will continue to go back into that game. You will continue to go back into those mm-hmm. matches. You will sit there for hours at a time playing that game. You'll then come home the next night. You will play that game. That is a, a, a very replayable game. But uh, well, very different. Very to different to the order. The same as replaying it. There's a difference. There. I mean, like, I you, yeah. I don't think playing multiplayer Call of Duty every night is replaying the game again every night. Like playing because you, you're playing the same game maps. You might be playing with the same weapon. I mean, you're playing the game. You're not replaying you're playing exactly the same doing. game. Like you're playing different yeah. people. You're yeah. doing a different tactic or whatever. Replaying is only if you're doing a level in a game mm-hmm. that's in a one-player mode, essentially. Yeah. And doing that again. Maybe it's two-player co-op, but if, as long as you're completing levels, that's that's replaying. I think you have to go back. If it's a game where you've you've gone back to something that you've already achieved and worked it again, that's replay. Whereas playing another version. You know, yeah, another instalment yeah, of the it, same it, it, online yeah. level. It doesn't count as a replay, I think. Okay. So, Call of Duty is massively continual playable, but it's mm-hmm. not, replayable not replayable at all. Yeah. I mean, no interest in playing. Whereas, I suppose, a more single player experience, once you've completed it, if you then want to jump back in to play it again, mm. is that replayability? Yeah, Matt's whether, whether that's for collectibles or whether that's because you really enjoyed the story and you want to experience it again. Yeah. So, one thing that really annoys me is. Downloadable content for games, so we can yeah. talk about Call of Duty all night, but it's a great example of that, where like, mm-hmm. well, somehow they thought it was a good idea, or acceptable, somehow we lowered our standards for a game, that when you buy the game, and sometimes for quite a lot of money, if you're buying Call of Duty in its release week or month, yeah. 
you're going to be paying 40 quid, something along that line, which is not an insignificant amount of money for a computer game. And then you find that, like, I don't know, a couple of months later, there's like three or four levels that you've got to now, everyone else is playing them, and you've got to pay another 10 quid to get that, and then there's another... Yeah, that was almost my problem with, um, like, zombie mode. Yeah. That you'd only ever get one or two levels unlocked with the Mm -hmm. main game, but then you had to purchase additional content to be able to play any other levels and zombie mode was great because it's a, that is a, a, a continuous or almost a replayable experience mm-hmm. something that you, you want to go in with your friends to be able to play but just play the same level over and over and over and over and yeah. over and over again well, there's no progression in zombie mode is there because you no. definitely die <laughs> yeah yeah which <laughs> is one of the great things about it of course it is. So the only difference really is that uh, with that, if you're playing with the same friends, which you tend to do, or which I tended to do in something like Zombie Mode, you'd have the same three friends that you would play mm-hmm. with, then you want those extra levels yeah, to well, be able to have some kind of different experience. Yeah. Rather than... But those extra levels weren't any better. I think. No? No. The very first zombie level, when you in, you wake up in that house, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was like a... Go Misty to the theatre and around the outside. Yeah, but the theatre level oh, was you, pretty good, but I'm talking about the original talking about World at War. Call of Duty yeah. World at War. The very first yeah. one, yeah. That was good. And then there was, like, I think three other zombie levels on that World at War. And, you know, one of them was, like, a Japanese prisoner of war camp thing. That was terrible, that level. <laughs> I still paid, like, a tenner for it and three other multiplayer. Mm. Multiplayer on World at War was, was not good. I mean... So something like, to go in a, a, a slightly different tangent, so we're talking about Alien Isolation yeah, being a game that was long enough mm-hmm. that you didn't have to worry about replayability as such, you may have wanted to go back and, and play that game again, whether you really enjoyed it to then go back and play it on a harder difficulty or something like that, but Alien Isolation has got downloadable content, mm. which, is a, which is slightly different um, missions, I Think where you can play as uh, Ellen Ripley. It's a person. Yeah. You can play as various other characters from the from the original Alien film, and I think it's based more on the Alien film than Alien Isolation is. Okay. So you actually play part of the Nostromo ship being able to get away from the alien. Well, I don't know. I've never played. So, it, so but, but that's... you know, DLC in that sort of sense can give you a slightly different experience because but, it's yeah. extending the story. Well. Fair, but I mean, something about it like seems underhand. I mean, did they really? So did they not have the opportunity to bring those extra experiences or whatever within the game? What was there something limiting? So were they pushed for time? They they just had to release the game as it is. These other bits were still under development. They couldn't include it in the release or something. Was it that it meant that the I mean, because there's quite a lot of data to, to install for mm-hmm. a game like Alien Isolation anyway. Maybe it made it too big to run on a single disc or something like that. I don't know, but it seems to me that it's probably that they wanted to make a lot more money out of it. And if you're already paying yeah. quite a lot of money, I don't, I don't think it's fair that you're then asking for even more money. You then jump up to the next tier, you spend yeah. an extra £10 on it to buy the special edition you're to be able to get an customers. extra level. Or... It's most frankly, you're milking the customers. They've, you've got you by the... The short and curlies once you've got into the game and then they're just asking you, you know, like the drug addict, yeah, I'll give you this bit and then next next hit's going to cost you kind of thing once you've got you addicted. Yeah, it's not cool. Yeah. I mean, I just don't like that attitude of the mm. game developers to their customers. I mean, be be nicer. Just give them the full game. Uh, yeah, give I think there's, there's, chance. there's a lot of games that are cool. There's, I, th- I think there's a couple of games coming out and I might be massively wrong in saying that The Witcher 3 has a a set of downloadable content which is going to be completely free. Mm-hmm. So whether this is extra stuff that they wanted to put in the game, but because they had a release window, they had to get the game completed by a certain time, that they couldn't put in this extra content, so they decided just to give it to people for free. That's that's that's, cool. that's, that's great. Fine. That's yeah, fine. If, if there are extra elements that you want to put in, as long as it's not um, a massive mechanic that makes the game completely different, you know, once you, if it's the core game that you're still getting, but it's just additional. But if you want to stay in that world and you want to play another five hours or another two hours within that world, doing a, you know a slight variation of what you've been doing previously to get that for free is fantastic. But to then have to pay 
£10.50 for that. That's not cool. Something like that, which is a random, you know, rough price for DLC. It's not cool. So in conclusion, game length does matter. Game length does matter. It should be long enough. I mean, if, if the... So yeah, I think my, my summary is if the game is about being a one-player game, game length matters. I mean, it's not the only thing, obviously. Yep. So uh, whatever that Civ was that you grew bored of after Civ Five. Beyond Earth. Probably a very long game. It doesn't yeah. help it if it's not fun to play. Yep. So it's not the only thing that matters. But um, if the, if it's an, a one-player game on purpose, mm-hmm. it has to be long enough to sustain your interest for more than, let's say, a couple of days, or else it's a waste of 30 quid. You're not going to yeah. spend well, that. Yeah, well, 30 quid, 50 quid. And 50 quid, exactly. 50 quid should be, you know, you, that's a city break in a, a Novo hotel if you can do that you should get a, you should get a couple of days at least out of the game completely so, completely anyway we should probably call right. it night we shall right. we shall finish it there thank you very so, much for listening well, well, before we do that though what Ooh. was your favourite beer oh I completely forgot what was my favourite beer ooh I gave the food bar some shit for its label mm-hmm. but it was very nice I'm guessing you're not going to go for the steam. I'm not going for the steam, but I, I think the brew by numbers one just kicked it for me. It was just a little bit of a little bit better quality than the other two. Yeah, just, I think that. Yeah, just sat above them. I think the steam grew on me the more I drank of it. The last couple of sips, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm kind of getting it a bit more. It became more, I don't know, acceptable. Somehow. It's definitely something that you could have. Another bottle of. So if you yeah. if you bought sort of two or three of them, it's not one that you're gonna. Because sometimes you go in Tesco's, buy a random bottle of beer, and it's it's not nice. But you wouldn't be like wasting your money by getting this. Get a couple of them. Yeah. Anyway, I'm definitely going with the saison this week. Yeah. So that's the brew by numbers saison. However, I think if I was picking between that and the partisan saison from a few Ooh. weeks ago, I'd probably have the partisan one. Okay. It's my favourite saison we've had, but it's my favourite beer that we've had this week. Excellent, excellent. Right, well, you've been listening to Tanked Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Tanked Up underscore cast. You can follow me, and I will get this right this week because I've said it differently <laughs> in the last two episodes, at Nova underscore 47, N-O-V-A underscore 47. Cool. And Alex is still not on Twitter. No. But you can still send him a letter. You can write to me. I won't give you my address. You just post things randomly and see if it gets to me. Pick an address in Bristol. <laughs> send it to Alex. See what happens. Yeah. Excellent. Take it easy, guys. Cool. Bye.